this is our last message on the baptism series. Uh, baptism series in which we have addressed uh, the wider reaching uh, implications of what baptism is as we look and study through the scriptures. As we walk through it, you know, we, we generally, we just maybe as, associate baptism with salvation, uh, baptism as an example to follow. Uh, but all along I've been asking you to remember your baptism. Remember the decision you made to follow Christ and join with him in his death, burial, and resurrection. To remember your baptism, the day that you said, I'm going to join Jesus in his mission and seeking first the kingdom of God. To join Jesus in this new life that I have because of his victory over sin and death. To join with Jesus a body of Christ and a community of faithful believers. There are at least five dimensions of baptism that I've picked up on as we've studied through this. That we would join the mission, that we would join the body, that we would join a new life, that we would join in salvation. And this morning, I want to invite us to see that there's maybe another important aspect of baptism that we sometimes miss. And it's a new social reality. That there is a new reality, this side of the grave of Christ. When Jesus is resurrected from the dead, and we join with Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection, and ascension, that there is a new reality in the world. And sort of uh, to articulate how sometimes we miss this, I'm going to use an illustration that might make you a little bit uncomfortable, but hopefully you will remember and it dates back um, quite a few years ago uh, by a man named Carl Spann uh, shares a story about a community where there was a white preacher who was preaching to a black community. And he, this white preacher, he planted the seeds and he was tilling the soil and he was working on this black community. It didn't really get very far and didn't really pick up much steam, but then a black preacher came to the black community and he began to preach repentance and baptism. And there were a great many people who wanted to be baptized. Well, at the time, it, they were just meeting in a tent. And they didn't have a baptistry. And so the black preacher went to the white Southern Baptist Church and said, may we please use your baptistry so we can um, baptize members of our congregation. And the preacher was fine with it, and there were quite a few white people who were fine with the idea. Well, word got out that there were going to be black people baptized in a white baptistry, and there was uh, a small to-do. <laughs> no, no small to-do, and there was so much hate and so much... They called it a communist uh, church and that like the whole thing blew up and there were protests and the cops had to be called. The congregation looked something like this. All right, you can take it off now. I don't really want to look at it anymore. The issue wasn't that black people couldn't be baptized. The issue was that they wanted to use a white baptistry. 
when we think about what Christianity is all about, what is it that you think of? What is Christianity all about? And for me, I don't know that I always knew. I, I think that sometimes I felt like my life in Jesus was just all about fire insurance. That I wouldn't go to hell. And just making sure I got through all of the hoops to make sure that I wasn't, wasn't just going to die and go to hell. And it took some time for me to realize, and, and it wasn't until really college where I understood and could figure out for myself what Christianity really was all about. And it's about Jesus making a new creation and a new world and calling it His kingdom. You know, I, I share that an awful lot, and I know that it's not a new thing, and so I was like, you know, if I keep saying the same thing, I need to figure out how to say the same thing a different way so it doesn't say, get a little stale. You know, not that my sermons would ever be stale. I mean, you guys never would say that. But, you know, just think about it. And I, I recently heard it as a kingdom is an administration. If you got in a new administration in your office, if you had a new boss, things would be run differently. You get a new boss in, your, uh, in the administration office, they're going to have their way of doing things, and that's going to change how you do it. Everybody loves change, right? Everybody, can I get an amen? Right. No, no one's on board with change, but we need to be on board with the change of administration that Jesus is offering the world. And the change of administration is Jesus saying, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is here. The new creation and the new life is God's new administration for the world. And he's saying there's a new way of doing things. And the plight of that church some 60 years ago, 70 years ago, was that they've missed the whole point that there's a new administration running things. And there's neither a black or white baptistry. There is a baptistry for all people, for all nations, for all time to come and believe and know that Jesus Christ is Lord and King. And so while our heart breaks that they missed this, I think sometimes we miss it as well. Not that we are racist, but that we miss the whole point that this is a new creation with a new reality, with a new administration, that there is a new way to live our lives. And God is ordering it differently. And He orders it differently by teaching us two great new commandments, or one great new commandment, of loving God and loving others. And He gives us a great commission which tells us to go therefore, because Jesus has all authority, He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. All nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. That's new administration talk. There's a new way of doing this. Loving God and loving others. And he says, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. This is new administration talk and saying, go to all nations, go to all people. When Jesus is ready to ascend, and the disciples in Acts, uh, Acts 1, they say, Jesus, is, is this the time that your new administration is going to be over Israel? 
that you're going to establish the kingdom in Israel, that you're going to take up the throne. And Jesus is like, hold on, guys. My administration is much further reaching than this. And he says, I'm going to have you go out and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses. You will share that there is a new administration. And it's not just here in Jerusalem. It's in heaven and it's over all of creation. And my reign is for all people for all time. So go and be my witnesses. There is um, there's some that would say that that is the sort of outline of Acts. That you see the disciples then, the apostles proclaiming Christ in Jerusalem. And then it slowly expands to, uh, to Judea and then Samaria. And then it's into Rome and then it explodes from there. But the whole point is, is that Jesus is calling us to a new reality. To a new way. And sometimes we forget it. Martin Luther King famously said that the most segregated hour is 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning. And this just isn't about racial divide. This is about economic divide. This is about all of these things that are set out to separate us and keep us from becoming what Christ is trying to do in this world. I could throw a few things out there this morning that we could all have one gigantic, wonderful argument about. Democrat or Republican. We could have an argument over uh, the color of carpet, should we decide to go with a new color of carpet. We could have an argument over uh, any number of things. What's the point? When I believe that the challenge for us is to see that when, when Christ is our everything, we have everything that we need in Him. It's the picture of this New Testament church, the very first one in Acts 2.42. And we see these people together and they're sharing in the Lord's Supper and they're gathering together and they're studying the Apostles' Word and they're sharing what they have and it says they held everything together. They had everything in common. And it is my heart this morning that wants to tell you that when Christ is what you hold in common, there is nothing that can separate you. It's the hope and promise of Romans 8 that there's no powers, no principalities, there's nothing, neither death, nothing that can separate us from the love that we have in Christ. We have all of these old assumptions and all of these old ways of doing things and what God is inviting us to see is there's a new administration in town and he has a different way of reordering these things. And when he starts reordering the world, Jesus, he starts giving us an outline for it. And he says it in ways like this, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who we've always thought were out, they're now in, and they actually get first place. Blessed are the meek, those people who've been walked on, it's those people that are going to inherit the earth. Blessed are you who have been seeking righteousness and though it has been ever elusive in a 
justice-broken world where no one has equal treatment. Blessed are those who are seeking this out and seeking it with uh, first and foremost in their lives because theirs too will be the kingdom. There's a new administration in town and Jesus is trying to get us to see that it's not about all of these old and broken divisions and ways that we just huddle up into our corners where we feel safe. He's saying there's people now who hold all things in common because they hold Christ in common. They hold Him. And when you have Christ and when you have Him in your life and His Spirit in you and living in you, then suddenly all of the scales that have blinded us to the racism, to the greed, to the brokenness, all of these things that have been blinding us to what is good and true and holy and righteous, they start shedding away from our eyes and we start seeing the world the way God calls us to. It was so common a phrase. And we see it repeated three or four different times in sort of different structures. But Paul will use it frequently. One example is in Galatians 3, verse 26. It says, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. And he says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, and you are heirs according to the promise. This phrase, neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus, that phrase would have been an early baptism confession. That before people were baptized, this would be uttered, and they would say, it is now no longer slave or free, Jew or Greek, Jew or Gentile, neither male nor female. They would utter these words as a way of framing and saying there is a new social reality for the world. There is a new administration and it's not about where you come from and it's not about what you have or don't have. It's not about your rights. It's about equal footing at the foot of the cross that we are all sinners and we are all saved by the grace and mercy of God. And this is a free gift for every last one of us. There is a new reality. A new kingdom. And a new hope for a broken and lost and hurting world. And we are so often forgetful of our baptism when we want to keep up the divisions when we want to shy away from this beautiful new reality one of the worst places to walk into is a high school cafeteria who's in and who's out who's cool and who's not now, I've never had that problem. I mean, I've always been the cool guy in the room. But uh, humble, too. Just making sure you're all still paying attention. But what makes it the worst place in the world is there's no real hope that any of 
those things are ever going to go away. The same gossip, the same bickering, the same nonsense. The same nonsense we experienced 30 years ago, 20 years ago, or 100 years ago for a few of you. Now I'm picking on the old people. I'm in trouble. But we look on the news and it's the same nonsense. And we walk into the workplace and it's the same nonsense. And the nonsense is unfortunate because what it is is ignorance. They don't know. They don't know that there is a new reality of a new administration that says the order of this world is not meant to continue the brokenness, to continue the division, to continue the injustice, but to look in the eyes of every single one of us and all of us and to know that all of us have a heartbeat and all of us have been created in the same image of the same God and all of us hold in common this one true thing. We are broken and we are hurting. But God saves and God redeems. We can all hold in common that Jesus Christ is Lord and King and Savior. Because when we were baptized, we were baptized into one Christ, one God and Father over all and through all and who is in all. So friends, I ask you one more time to remember your baptism. Remember entering into the water and coming out of the water a new person. Saved, redeemed, Forgiven with your sins, washed away in the Holy Spirit, filling your life, joining the mission of Christ, joining the body of believers, and joining a new life and a new reality where we start to see the world a little more different, a little more upside down than the way we've always seen it. What is good is God. What is good is His righteousness. What is good is Jesus Christ laying down His life. And for us to take up our crosses and lay down our lives with Him. I invite you to remember your baptism so that you might live your baptism. A new life in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you for your son. We thank you that there is a new way forward for us to look at the world and it's not through division, it's not through the brokenness and sin that ravages our world. God, we want to see baptism for what it is. It's not the means of salvation, but a way of entering into your story. And embracing this gift, God. 
embracing the gift of new life, embracing the gift of family, embracing the gift of salvation and deliverance, embracing the gift, God, that comes from you of a new reality in a broken and hurting world. God, help us to be your witnesses of these truths, not promoting but eliminating the divisions that so often divide us. God, the brokenness and the hurt that happens in the world, we know that we will have brokenness and hurt among us, but we have your forgiveness leading us. And Father, your word tells us that we are a new creation and that we are ministers of reconciliation. So God, send us forth to forgive. Forgive those who have hurt us and tell others of your forgiveness, of your love. God, that we would go and be your witnesses that we would go forth and share your good news and tell others about a new administration in town. There's a new way of doing things, and we know it is the way of your love, the way of your mercy, and the way of your forgiveness. Equip us and prepare us and fill us with your Spirit that we might go and be your witnesses. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Every year for the last uh, five years, I think, I've been, uh, I've had the privilege of being a dean at a week of camp. It's been fourth, fifth, and sixth grade, that age group. That's a great age group. They've been, uh, we've had a lot of kids come and be baptized, make a decision to follow Christ. This last uh, last year, I had Aiden in that week at camp, and he came forward and he said that he wanted to be baptized, and it was it was awesome. It was great. And we're going to do that baptism today. So far, he's the only one that said, "Hey, I'm interested." If it's something that's on your heart, I would hope that you would reach out today. Uh, it's a one-time only offer. I mean, we're going to close up the baptistry after this. Uh, but Gretchen's word about procrastination was prophetic and good. It spoke to my heart. Why wait? Why wait when God is so good? There's a disheartening thing sometimes, or a frustrating thing. Um, I have 4th, 5th, and 6th grade camp going on, and then the other part of Lake James has junior high week going on. And so it's kind of cool. I see the kids that I've had in years past. Uh, I get a lot of baptisms, maybe like a dozen every year, and it's really awesome. And the junior hires, they don't get as many baptisms. What they get is this. They get a whole stack of rededication. And they invite the kids at the end of camp. They say, now we, you can be baptized, you can rededicate your life to Christ, or you can go into Christian mission and dedicate your life to Christian ministry awful lot for junior hires, but they'll get a nice big stack of kids that need to rededicate. And what I want to say to every last one of those kids is you don't need to wait for a special week on Thursday night at Lake James Christian Assembly to rededicate your life to Christ. The whole point of this baptism series 
one was to help, you know, nudge people along to make a decision. But it's been for every one of us each week to remind ourselves that we have been baptized. And this is an opportunity to rededicate ourselves to Christ each and every day. To trust in God, to repent and turn from a world of brokenness. To walk with Him. Will you rededicate your life to Him? And we can go up to Lake James and fill out a card so it's official. It would be awesome. It would be fun. Would you rededicate your life to following Christ and giving your heart to Him? That each day you would walk faithfully and trust and know that Jesus is Lord. Today's the day, please, to come forward and be committed to Christ. Let me know if you'd like to be baptized in Christ. Today's the day to dedicate your life to Him whether you are baptized last year or 20 years ago, every day is a day to say, I'm going to follow him and trust in him anew. Let's stand and sing.